Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Hello, welcome to Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown. Today we're talking about why Asia matters. And we are heading to one of the most exciting startup scenes, startup ecosystems in Asia. We're going to Myanmar to help us unpack the Myanmar startup ecosystem. I'm joined by Jess Kaliba Peterson, who is happens to be the CEO of Pandiar, the Myanmar Innovation Lab. So we're going to learn a little bit about Myanmar. We're going to learn about the startup and the tech ecosystem in Myanmar, and also how Jess found himself in Myanmar, his journey all the way from Denmark. Jess, welcome to the show. Thanks, Graham. It's great to be here. I'm a big fan of your podcast. Super excited for our conversation today. Excellent. Well, it's great to have you here. And I have to say, for the Danish listeners as well, I've corrupted your name. It should be Yes. That's right. <laughs> we have to be positive because it's a very positive market, isn't it, Myanmar? Let's talk a little bit about what it's like. It seems to be, every time I hear it talked about in terms of technology and startups, it's very positive, very optimistic. What's the feeling like on the ground right now in Myanmar? Yeah, well, there's been a ton of uh, exciting stuff happening around technology in Myanmar in the last few years, right? So, so what happened was until 2014, the, the 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 tech adoption and the mobile phone usage was very very low. It was probably five to seven percent mobile phone penetration, hmm. which is obviously would have been among the lowest in in all of Asia, right? Um, what happened then in 2013 is that the government decided to issue um, telecom licenses to two international telcos um, through a competitive process. And um, and those licenses were won by uh, by Ordu from Qatar and Telenor from Norway, and they quickly came in and uh, set up networks and uh, and started uh, started offering services. So um, they both launched in August 2014. What happened was overnight the cost of a SIM card dropped from what was previously hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars to just uh, you know in U.S. dollar terms maybe a dollar and a half. Wow. Um, and at the same time, of course, you can buy pretty decent smartphones for not a lot of money so very very quickly um, a lot of people started buying buying SIM cards buying smartphones getting online um, and now um, only um, only a little less than four years after that we have uh, we have basically 100% mobile phone penetration in Myanmar and what's even more interesting is we have the highest smartphone penetration um, in all of Asia mm. and all that's happened in a very short period of time right and I think that's that's probably the single most interesting thing about technology in Myanmar right now Asia Tech Podcast find out more at atp.show yeah I, know, I noticed you, you published a, a, you know when you're starting a series which looks fascinating and I advise listeners to go and check it out it's Doers Myanmar which is basically absolutely startup stories from Myanmar and that's just launching at the moment. I saw the trailer, the sneak peek that you shared with us with some of the data from Myanmar. You've alluded to it already, 80% smartphone usage, 100% increase in startups. What's it like on a day-to-day basis? Are, are people feeling optimistic? Is it a sense that you can actually get anything if you work hard enough? Does it have that sort of attitude that we've seen in the early days of China where people were sort of, okay, right, we don't have any precedent now. There aren't any rules. Let's just go out and do this. Or what, what are people talking about on a day-to-day basis in Myanmar? 
absolutely think there is a bit of that, particularly in Yangon, which is, of course, it's, act, it's actually not the political capital of Myanmar, that's up in Naypyidaw, but, but Yangon is, for all intents and purposes, sort of the economic um, powerhouse of the country, right? And certainly here, there's there, there's there's a really good energy around what's possible um, and around building new ventures and using technology to make a real difference. And, uh, of course, we see a lot of that at Pendiar. It is important to keep in mind, though, that, you know, most people in Myanmar have bought their first smartphone within the last two, three years, right? Mm. Not those in Yangon, but those in smaller um, towns and communities around the country. Um, and there's still a lot of um, digital literacy that needs to be built out, um, you know, a lot of awareness around what can you actually do with technology and how can this help me in my life as a, as a citizen, as a um, as, a, as, an, as an employee, as a business person, or whatever, whatever, whatever your role is in society, right? And um, that's of course going to take a little bit of time. But I think we've seen that people here have been really, really quick to go from a from a from a from a very, very low availability of technology and internet access and so on to actually picking up on this and uh, harnessing um, the opportunities. So, so th there is a good sense of energy and, um, and, and a lot of interesting stuff going on. How does that reflect in what you do at Pandiar? So let's talk a little bit about that. You describe yourself as the Myanmar Innovation Lab on you, you, a creative space or tell us a little bit about what it is. I mean, is it a, a traditional accelerator? Is it is a little bit different because it's in Burma, in Myanmar. What kind of people are you attracting? Just want to get a feel for what's actually going on there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a combination of things, right? So, you know, our mission, our overarching mission is to use technology to accelerate impact in, in Myanmar. And we do that in a number of ways. And of course, um, in, 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 in many, in many ways, uh, our accelerator program is sort of our, our flagship program, if you will. We've been mm -hmm. running that since 2016. And every year, we onboard a, a new cohort of seven to 10 startups. Um, we invest uh, a little bit of money, 25,000 US dollars in each of them against equity. Uh, and then they move into Pandiar. We have this 11,000 square foot space in downtown Yangon. Uh, we have all the startups living with us essentially for for six to eight months, um, and, uh, and 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 as they go through the accelerator program. But we mm. also do a number of other things, right? So we 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 run all this uh, um, ecosystem building, all these ecosystem building activities. So every week uh, we, we typically have one to two public events, meetups, and workshops and workshops and so on, really to bring together the community of um, both active and, and aspiring upcoming entrepreneurs in Myanmar, people who want to learn a little bit about what, it, what, what, what is the tech community? How do, how do you start a, a tech startup? Um, and specific, uh, areas of expertise we bring in guest speakers to host, mm -hmm. host events. Um, we also have a co-working space. So anybody who's interested in, uh, in, 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 in getting a space to work, if they work independently in, in, in Yangon, uh, very welcome to come over to Pandiar. Um, and then we run, a number of, of we call what we call our social impact programs um, to really uh, help uh, change makers, whether they're um, civic techies or, or, or activists or the new media or others, to better use uh, NGOs, to better use technology to have an impact. And so we have this, uh, this program that works with open data. We do a bunch of uh, digital media trainings. Um, we work, uh, we have this safe internet the internet in Myanmar is a place to be. So we try to cover pretty broadly in, in, in terms of how we can uh, how we can make a change using technology in Myanmar and how we can help others make a change, even more importantly, make it uh, in, in, in using technology in, in Myanmar. 
so you're onboarding, as you say, a batch of seven to ten startups a year. Let's talk about some of those Myanmar startups. Out of all the ones that you've onboarded, I know it's a little bit unfair to ask you to do this on air, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's like of those, which of those do you think were we outside of Myanmar most likely to hear about in coming years? Can you choose just maybe an example or a couple of examples of who have been through your cohort already? Yeah, for sure. So, so first, I got to say they're, they're all awesome, right? Right, and I like uh, choosing between children. I'm sorry. So yeah, I put you on the exactly. spot. No, no, no. Um, well, I, I think so. What we do is uh, the startups we look at. It, they're all tech, right? That's sort of the number one criteria to get considered for the accelerator. So we only do tech startups. There's obviously a lot of other interesting stuff happening in Myanmar, but we focus only on tech. Um, but within that, we look we look very broadly at, at a wide range of, of different types of companies. So we we would take a look at anything from fintech to entertainment to um, tech for education or healthcare uh, or logistics um, or what have you. And we actually do have a pretty broad range of sectors represented in the accelerator in, in both of the cohorts that we've run so far, um, there, there, there are a few that that's that some uh, outside of Myanmar might might already have heard have heard of, mm. or, or if not, should, definitely should hear of. Um, um, to name a few, um, one is um, Shapesat, which is a, a freelancer platform that connects uh, freelancers with uh, th- that have sort of marketable skills, whether it's design or translation or copywriting or online marketing um, or anything else that is in demand by businesses. Um, to promote those skills to to small and medium and and bigger businesses in Myanmar and and basically build their career around freelancing using this platform and um, they've been doing uh, incredibly well um, in a in a work culture that's still relatively traditional um, in Myanmar um, they've been doing a very very good job of uh, of of transforming that and really um, making it appealing to people to consider freelancing or independent work as a viable career path and then also to help businesses um, find the right people to get their work done when they have these ad hoc projects. Mm. Um, Chatesat has uh, was was founded by two sisters, uh, Honey and Shreyi Mia Win, um, and um, and they've they, they they joined the accelerator in 2016. Then as they left the accelerator, they raised funding uh, from both local and, and international um, VCs. It's really good to see, of course, because a lot of what we do at the accelerator is is to help these startups raise follow-on funding when they leave our program, mm. right? And and they went and did exactly that. Um, so that's a really interesting startup. Um, another one uh, from the from the first cohort is um, is White Marac, which is a which is a comic book reader for uh, for for Android and iPhones. Um, and, uh, and 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 I, I should say, by the way, that you know in in the Myanmar um, telecom market, Android is, is 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 has has the the, the lion's share of the market, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know, maybe eighty five percent, ninety percent not more of all smartphones are Android phones here, right? So what White Merak does is they provide this app um, where uh, the people can download and uh, then get access to, to comic books uh, on their phones. And they have a studio of, I don't know, 10, 15 animators by now that take this content that they license from comic book artists and publishers in Myanmar and soon also from abroad. And then they animate it. So it's mm. not just a still a still frame comic book experience in every frame there's a little bit of movement so you know you see the superhero flying through the air or the lightning's coming down from the sky or whatever happens uh, which makes it a really engaging mm. uh, reading experience and what's important to keep in mind is all over Myanmar it can be really hard to get access to this kind of entertainment if you don't have 
um, if you're not using if you're not using the internet, right? And so they're 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 essentially taking this content that's loved by many all over Myanmar, all these comic books, both old and new, and digitalizing them and making it really easy to to access and consume them. So that's uh, that's been super interesting to see how they've taken wow. to the market. Those are great examples. Let's go back to the first one because I was really interested when you said it was started by two sisters. So. What kind of people are starting startups in Myanmar right now? Because two sisters starting a startup, I don't think I've ever seen that actually in, in anywhere. I mean, you know, obviously there's this issue yeah. with a lack of female entrepreneurship generally across the board. I mean, I know it's changing, but th there are a few role models, aren't there? And I know, I mean, there's, there's been studies done, for example, in Vietnam, where like 30% of board members in Vietnam are female. So you have it in these sort of emerging markets where almost females are, are leapfrogging what's happening in developed markets because you know there's no sort of glass ceiling existing for anybody males and females so you know you have this emerging generation of female entrepreneurs in yeah. places like china and vietnam what are you seeing at the moment in in myanmar is there anything interesting going on especially in that scene yeah well i mean i i think i think i, I think I think you're right in that, you know, starting a startup is super, super hard, no matter who you are and what you're trying to do, right? So maybe there's, there's a bit more of a level playing field uh, as compared to more traditional industries uh, between between men and, and women. Uh, ho hopefully it would be so. I think we still have a way to go. But, you know, I, I think... Um, we see a, we see a broad range of backgrounds in the in 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 the in the accelerator and in general at Pandiar in our community, right? And um, it's sort of a mix of uh, of people who are just you know born and bred in Myanmar, have mm. lived here their whole lives, and then folks who who went abroad and studied and worked. You know, a lot of people um, you know who went to Singapore and worked for a number of years or elsewhere abroad. And now have very specific skills and experience that they want to come back and um, and put to work here in here in in in, in, um, in, in Myanmar. And you know sometimes the best um, the best teams have a mix of that uh, yeah. because we actually do see that some of the people who have a really really good take on how to attack the market and launch a startup are the folks who have uh, sort of lived and breathed the change that's happened in Myanmar in the last uh, 10 years. Um, you know, the country is, uh, and certainly the cities here are vastly different right now than they, than they were a decade ago. Mm. And I think it's really important to understand the subtleties of how people have changed and, you know, how, how consumers think um, in, order to, in order to have the, the best chance of sort of cracking the market. And that's why, you know, as important as it is to, to have sort of, specific skills and you know tech skills and all that on these teams it's also really important to have that local deep granular understanding right mm. and and so it's really important for us to have a mix of that in the in the teams that we in the that we talk to um but it's also you know i i think it's really important to keep in mind that there's a huge there's a huge number of young people in myanmar right now that are just hitting the job market right just figuring out what to do with their careers and as in many other countries, you know, there, there's still a notion among many that, you know, in order to in order to do it right, you've got to be a doctor or an engineer right, and right. follow sort of a more traditional career path. And that, that still very much exists mm. here. Um, I, I do think that more and more people and, and you know, maybe, maybe I'm biased because, we, you know, we sit here in Yangon and we're sort of the heart of the tech community. Um, but I do think that we are seeing an increase um, in people who are considering alternative career paths and certainly you know there's nobody who hasn't seen how technology has played a really important role in myanmar in the last few years so that's gained a lot of visibility hmm. and you know i think that the the 
the, the indicators that you talked about before that, that, that we mentioned in this Doer's show um, are a testament to that, that we actually are seeing a significant growth in, in terms of um, startups launching, you know, the, the, the people coming to Pandiar and our events at all stages, right? So from a lot of what we try to do is to build up this community, not necessarily when people decide to start a startup, but often much before that. Yeah. So we have a lot of people who come to our hackathons and our startup challenges and our meetups and so on. We get to know them. And then down the line, this is exactly what happened with the Chatesat sisters, uh, Honey and Shui. Down the line, they, you know, they started with some of the hackathon and then they went out and talked to a bunch of people and got some ideas. And then they ended up joining the accelerator. And now they, of course, they raised funding from international investors and whatnot and are doing really well. So it's that journey that we like to create and like to help mm. support people across all stages of the of the entrepreneurial um, entrepreneurial experience. Yeah, I mean, that's why I love what you're doing with Doers Myanmar. And I think it's a, it's a noble venture because that whole idea, I mean, it's what obviously we, we're trying to capture a little bit here in Asia Tech Podcast is that the power of story in creating change, like you say, at the earlier stage is so often underrated. I think, you know, like those two sisters you mentioned, they would have heard a story or they would have got exposed to somebody's story which should have planted a seed in their head which you know they would have gone through the hackathon and that would be like nurturing the seed right and by the time that they've come out of that you know that whole thing has bloomed blossomed into you know an entrepreneurial spirit but it takes those stories and sharing those stories and i think that's the challenge isn't it in asia that we have for example the jack mars of this world and we have the big celebrities but at the grassroots level there's a real lack isn't there of, of, of media coverage of stories of people doing exactly stuff, right and this is the exactly we're up against. this is also why i love your podcast because you know it's really important to to highlight some of these role models mm. and uh, in order to inspire people to consider that wow here's actually an opportunity to do really well and do something really exciting that has a massive impact yeah and um Highlighting that is, 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 is super important, I think. Yeah, yeah, more power to it. So, you know, hopefully that will fly. So people are interested in Myanmar and the startup scene, they will share the details in the show notes. So let's talk about how you got to Myanmar because you don't have a, a Myanmarese name. I mean, obviously you're from Denmark, different side of the world. I know you Danes are great seafarers, travelers. What's the story? How did you get there? Was, was Myanmar a part of your master plan or...? How? No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. No, it wasn't part of my master plan, um, Graham. It's 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 been, it's actually been many years since I lived in Denmark. Now I've been I've been in Myanmar since early 2015, um, and I've always been working in technology and startups, right? So, you know, back in in the in the I guess in the mid mid 90s when people started get, getting online and in 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 Europe with dial-up modems and and what have you. Um, you know, I, I thought that was super fascinating, right? And I was a teenager back then. I, I started making some money on the side by designing websites for, for people in Microsoft front page and whatever you used back then, really rudimentary stuff. Um, but that was sort of my first experience actually working with technology. And, uh, and, and I, I was super fascinated by that. So eventually I, I, I became, um, I, I became a developer. I started, I started, uh, coding e-commerce uh, shopping carts and you know whatnot for 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 businesses in Denmark and helping them with that and that's that's how I made a little bit of pocket money up through my teenage years and my my my, my early 20s um, what happened then was I um, I moved to India uh, in 2005 
to uh, to work for a Danish company that I'd been working with back in Denmark um, that had a, a partner company in, in, in New Delhi. And, um, you know, the, they were doing um, mobile um was called mobile value-added services. So back then, there was ringtones and wallpapers and all that fun stuff that we used to do with our mobile phones that nobody does anymore. Um, but I did that. Uh, and then eventually, um, eventually uh, co-founded the business in, in India um, to, to, to do exactly that. Um, so that was sort of my first startup uh, that I was deeply involved with myself and, and, and did for, for almost four years. Um, then I moved back to Denmark to, to join a fintech company and get sort of a little bit more of a corporate experience. I uh, did that in Copenhagen for a few years. In uh, 2010, I... Um, I uh, I um, I quit my job in Copenhagen and I moved to to Kabul in Afghanistan to start a uh, a um, an, an SMS based social network. Um, and the way that came about is 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 I think a, a typical startup story in many ways that it was a little bit random how that happened. And you know I had some friends who who are um, Afghan American and they were traveling back and forth between Afghanistan and the U.S. And we ended up starting this business together. Um, that is an SMS-based social network uh, that we launched at a time when nobody had access to the internet in Afghanistan. But of course, Facebook and Twitter was growing all over the world and people were seeing how the social network had a really profound impact on how people are communicating all over the world. So we tried to replicate that effect, not using the internet, but using SMS, which was sort of the text messaging, which is sort of the technology that was available back then that everybody did have access to and was using. So in, in early 2011, we launched this, this social network called Paywast, which, um, which, 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 uh, which, which became the, the largest social network in Afghanistan and grew to about 2 million users. Um, that was until, that was until uh, the, the, the telcos in Afghanistan launched uh, 3G and people started going online on Facebook and so on. It's hard to compete with that, of course. Mm. And so the business had to pivot to work more with enterprises and, um, and, and, and media companies and orga large organizations and so on um, to create sort of mobile outreach experiences for them. And, and that's what the company still does today. I'm, I'm not involved with it anymore, but... Um, but but the company still exists and is doing quite well, so um, so th so so I I I, uh, I was I was I was in Afghanistan. I lived in Afghanistan and Kabul for about two and a half years. Um, it's a hard place to live. So eventually, I transitioned out and moved to Dubai for a while and sort of commuted back and forth a little bit. Um, wait wait wait. And, Just, let's uh, let's back up a little bit. We can't put the Afghanistan story down yet. <laughs> I, right. I want to know, I mean, how, I want to just to kind of get an insight into, I'm going to share that with the readers into how you think is that, how did, I know you mentioned you had some Afghan American friends, but how did that ever sort of get through your, you know, your, your decision making process and come out as a good idea to move from Copenhagen, you know, like the happiest place in the world, so to speak, as it's often ranked and <laughs> a, very, a very safe place as well and very orderly place to move to a completely different world. I mean, 2010, 2011, Afghanistan is war ravaged country as, or as far as we see on the, the news, right? It was still, you know, the infrastructure was probably decimated. As you said, there was only like SMS available. How did that ever make it a, a, a sensible decision for you? What, what were you thinking that, okay, this, this might be a good idea? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think... I think I've always been fascinated by, 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 by these emerging markets. And, you know, since my, my industry is sort of technology, that's, that's, that's how I try to, 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 to make sense of, 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 of these countries, right? Mm. And, you know, I don't think you can draw many parallels 
between um, Afghanistan and many other emerging markets because they're just subject to a set of circumstances that are uh, very, very different, right? Like you said, you know, war-torn, and, and there's there's a whole host of issues there that are quite unique. Um, but, you know, I, I think... Um, I think by the time we, we, we launched that and by the time, you know, we were still planning this and before we actually made the move and, and, and went to Kabul, um, we, we were looking at this and saying, well, you know, there, there, there is, there is, there's a need to create a, a, a way for people to communicate in better ways. Um, and, you know, of course, right now, all over the world, including here in Myanmar, people are talking about um, some of the issues that are that, that social media creates and that's an important discussion to have but I think it's also really important to recognize that um, social media in many ways has made the world a, a place that that where the distance between people is, is shorter and it's right. easier to communicate and um, there's no reason why that shouldn't also be possible in a, in a place like Kabul right so we um, we decided to go for it and you know I think there's many 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 ways that that could have gone horribly wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and uh, but, you know, I think at the time, uh, I don't know if they would do that today. I have a family now. I have a daughter. But at the time, um, uh, that, that seemed like an opportunity too good to pass up, you know, and we had the opportunity to raise some funding to do this. And, um, and so we went for it. Right. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm inspired. The fact that you went there is obviously one thing, but the fact you set up a, a business and made it successful and raised funding is another. But you, you have this history as well. I mean, you, you spent time in India going from Denmark to India and setting up a company in India. I've set up a company in India. I know even that is an adventure. That is not easy. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> a, you, you must have, I, I don't know, you must have an, an inhuman amount of patience or positivity. What What is it that you have that helps you survive and importantly thrive in these markets like setting up a business in India, Afghanistan, or even the emerging markets like Myanmar? What do you think you have to have personality-wise to get on there? Yeah, I think I think patience is um, is, is is really important. Um, you, you know, there 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 is a lot of things that you don't have control over, and you 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 may not be able to influence, and uh, so it becomes a waiting game and a persistence game, very much a persistence game, right? So that combination of of, of patience and persistence, I think, is really important for anybody who's thinking of whether starting or joining a, a, a startup in, in or, or really any any business in a, in a, in a country like this. Mm. Um, I think adaptability is also really, really important because we're doing stuff here. The startups in Myanmar, many other emerging markets are doing stuff that hasn't been done before in, in these places. And so a lot of ideas and hypotheses people have tend to not work out or tend to play out in very different ways that you had expected. And that's actually something we try to work a lot with, with with the entrepreneurs in our programs, right? That it's great. You have this hypothesis, you have this business model, and you've done some research, and things look really promising. But also just understand that things may be completely different when you start executing on this. And that's okay, right? Because um, more often than not, it turns out that you may just have to change your assumptions. And that's totally fine. What often, what often separates... Um, you know, successes from failures is the ability to, 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 to make those changes and to adapt to those, those changes. And I think that's mm. really important too. Mm. Absolutely. It's great advice. Let's talk about now what that is like in Myanmar for visitors. So, I mean, coming to Myanmar, adapting to all of that as a visitor, both just absorbing the culture, but in business terms as well, coming there. I mean, it's, 
Well, it's a mystery, really. I mean, I have to say, I mean, I think myself quite travelled. I've travelled many countries. I've never been to Myanmar. But from the pictures... You've got to come out here and visit us, Brian. I'm coming. I'm coming. (laughs) I'm working my way around. It's on my list now. So I'd love to come. I mean, it it looks quite exotic. You know, it looks like... I mean, a lot of people have said it was Thailand, you know, like 30 years ago before tourism. All those kind of like parallels and cliches. And you have like the golden temples and you have like Bagan and all the, the balloons. And it's a bit mysterious. And then we see that against other images like for example if you've ever seen those amazing reportage documentaries of of burmese punks or myanmar punks where you have on the one hand this very traditional very exotic very refined image of myanmar and then you have these guys who you know, have the piercings and the the tartan and you know the the mohican and they look yeah. it, it's just, they just look amazing they're very colorful and you know they look fantastic I, I can't sort of put all this into one package and try and understand it. Help us out here, Jess. What, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like 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 you hinted at, it's a it's it's a pretty diverse uh, culture, and certainly when you travel around the country, and I'd I'd, I'd certainly uh, recommend to anybody traveling here, whether whether as a tourist or someone who wants to work here or start a business or whatnot, to not just visit Yangon, but but really um, take some time to to travel around the country and experience um, what the country is like um, outside of the, the urban areas and the big cities, uh, because it is quite different, right? Different, right? Um, you know, I think all over all over Myanmar, there is obviously very much an awareness that um, things are changing and the country is developing. Um, and, um, a lot of people are trying to make sense of, well, how can that, um, how can that, how can that change in development? How can that have a positive impact to, to their lives and their realities? Um, and so th- there, there is, um, that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's a really inter- interesting, um, question for many. And I, I think an opportunity to, um, to really sort of, um, in, invent what can what can what can change in development look like in a country like this because in many ways um, we're starting out certainly when we're looking at technology we, we're starting out you know it's just four years ago that most people didn't have a mobile phone so we really have the the opportunity to leapfrog in many ways what's happening in other countries and um, and and make things better. Mm. Do, do you feel challenged in that situation? Do you, I mean, it, you've got to be outside your comfort zone in a place like that. Or may, maybe you're, you are comfortable being uncomfortable because you, you know, you've lived in Afghanistan, you've lived in India. Do, do you feel challenged on a daily basis? How, how is it like living as, if I can say it, a Westerner in Myanmar? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think uh, you, you, you got to... You've got to be open to or somewhat comfortable with, you know, the the infrastructure not always working out to to, to your benefit, mm. right? Uh, you know, the power still goes out sometimes, and people have water problems, and traffic is not great. You know, I I, I have to take this this call uh, in my car because I couldn't make it down to office's plan, uh, coming from another meeting, and uh, traffic is just a, a big mess. And you know, that's the kind of thing that 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 you see in 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 in, in places like this. And, uh, you know, I think I personally um, am, am, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. And I, I, I totally accept that as a condition of, 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 of how the place is changing. Um, and I think, you know, that maybe that also has to do with, with, with patience, you know, mm. in order to thrive in a place like this, people would certainly need to have patience for those kinds of yeah. things because it can be, can be, can be frustrating sometimes. Right. Right. But you talk about thriving. What 
are the opportunities in a place like that? Because I, I think some people can look at it and think, well, you know, if the power goes out, I can't start a startup here. I need to have 24-7 internet. Is there a flip side yeah. to that? You said, well, you know, there is a little bit of chaos, but that creates opportunity. Can you see that around you on a daily basis where that opportunity presents itself, that it wouldn't present itself in, you know, a place like Singapore, which is a lot more stable, or, or Tokyo, for example? Yeah. Well, you know, some of the some of the startups and entrepreneurs we see that do the best are, are the ones that just go and do stuff in 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 spite of whatever hardship or whatever challenges come up against them, right? Because there's a lot of that. You run into stuff all the time, both um, low level stuff like the power cutting out or the internet being out for half a day as well as high level stuff as sort of you know your business strategy not panning out the way you expected mm. because uh, conditions on the ground are just different than 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 than, than you thought they were um so you know the the, the the people who are able to to just go and execute in spite of of all of this stuff and who sort of just take it with a bit of okay, that didn't work out. Now, what do we do instead? Instead of saying, okay, that didn't work out, so maybe my business is never going to work out. Mm. Because if that's how you approach it, well, that's probably what's going to happen, right? So yeah. um, so that, that sort of, which is also why we decided to call this show Doers, because that's really what encapsulates, I think, the best entrepreneurs in a place like this, the people who just do it, right? And um, and that's, um, you know, I, I, I suppose maybe a little bit of a cliche, but it's, it's certainly true for a lot of the, lot of the, lot of the people here who, who perform really well. It's tangible as well. You can actually feel it. I was in, um, uh, recently I went to Shanghai. And Shanghai is a lot more developed, obviously, but it still has that sort of culture, of, that doer culture amongst young people particularly. And I visited China Accelerated there. Um, who, who have done a great job of building a community, very much like yourself, and they've built that community around them. And I was really surprised when, when I was walking around the accelerator space and just talking to people, and they were saying, oh, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, okay, we're going to do a podcast. Oh, where are you doing the podcast? Oh, we're doing it in the studio over there at 2 o'clock. What would happen was, like, the you, you'd form a posse. So, you know, within time, like, oh, yeah, we'll join your podcast. We'll come along. Oh, yeah, phone somebody up, they're coming. And right. eventually did like two, three podcasts in the day. Right. Because people were just like, yeah, I'll come and I'll do that. Whereas I I don't know, because I haven't had more recent experience, but if I was doing that in London, where I was born and where I was from, I get the feeling people might say, ah, oh, no, maybe next week or no, I've got to get home. Like you've got to get across the river at six o'clock and it's traffic. And I really had that sense yeah. that people just wanted to do things. And there wasn't like, you know, that was the default option. Like that was the default way of thinking. Yeah. Do you get that over there in Myanmar? What's it like? Yeah, very, very much so. Very much so. I mean, maybe, maybe that's also to an extent a function of this being a relatively tight knit community. You know, it's, it's, it's our, you know, our community is growing, and there's more and more people getting into this space. But certainly, a couple of years ago, everybody who was doing technology in Myanmar knew each other, and probably were hanging out, hanging out with each other, you know, outside of, outside of work. Mm. And uh, you know, I think it's really healthy that it's not necessarily like that, and that it's expanding, and more people are joining this community. But there's definitely a sense of you know. Um, people people coming together around a lot of things and people supporting each other around a lot of things even if it's not something they're directly involved with um uh people are people are generally very approachable um very easy to 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 access and to collaborate with 
Um, and I think that's a really important part of building up a community like this, that you can actually, you know, you can pick up the phone and, you know, we have this mentor network at, at Pandiar of successful entrepreneurs and business people from Myanmar who come and coach our startups and our entrepreneurs and such. And people have just been overwhelmingly supportive of, of, of building up this ecosystem in, in Myanmar. And I think that's, mm. that's a really important part of, of how it needs to be done. Um, you know, folks who have actually done it and uh, people who have accomplished something, something, uh, something big, and now are sort of uh, giving away their 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 insights and their experience to to the next generation. Yeah, and it's awesome to be surrounded by those people on a daily basis, isn't it? It energizes you. Exactly that that kind of energy and that kind of that kind of passion. Um, you know, it's 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 um, it's contagious, and mm. you, you know, we certainly feel it here at Pandiarn with our colleagues and on our team, but also with the very much with the with the entrepreneurs and the young people who come and, and join our activities. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. So, for for a company anywhere in Asia or even outside of Asia, looking at Myanmar, let, let, let's talk about what it means to them or what it could potentially mean. Let, let's take, for example, Asia Tech Podcast. So, if we're a media platform, obviously, a great reason to go to. Myanmar is to unlock all those stories of amazing startup founders and you know th- those journeys which you're capturing with doers which is great for, from a business perspective w- why would it make sense for us to come there I mean you know would it be because of the outsourcing opportunities there or the market itself what would it mean for a, a creative industry type like ourselves an Asia Tech podcast or a media company what could we get from Myanmar yeah, well, the, the reality is, Graham, that as as much as um, as much as 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 internet usage and smartphone adoption and tech ad- tech adoption, all that has has grown over the last few years, the the the, the startup ecosystem is still not at the stage of say Vietnam or Indonesia or you know Thailand or many other countries in the region. Right? We're, we're just not there yet, and I think in many ways we feel that we really sort of just scratch the scratch the scratch the surface in mm. terms of what we're going to see in the next few years and so now is actually a really really good time to come out and and and, and learn a little bit about what's going on here and test a number of things um, because some of the some of the folks that are starting out right now the while while the while the the, the, the market may not yet be where it, where, it, where the, some of the other countries in the region are at um, it, it's certainly going to grow significantly in the in the coming years. So now it's just a really good time to come and establish yourself and 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 learn the market and and test some things, make some mistakes, uh, you know, make some successes and find out what works, and then have a really good shot at at, at being a leading player um, mm. in the decade to come. And I have no doubt that we're going to see. Um, we're going to see massive growth in terms of number of startups, number of uh, number of uh, acquisitions, number of, of, of investors here, and number of entrepreneurs here. Mm. So that's really exciting, I think. Do you think there's opportunity uh, to get talent there? Does it? I mean, cost-wise, how does it stack up in Myanmar with other countries? What would it cost to say hire a, a talented graduate? who, you know, maybe one or two years experience, media, could do video editing, because there's a lot of design work as well done in Myanmar, isn't there? It seems to have a strength in that. How would that compare to say, I mean, here in Singapore, I suppose you're you're talking starting at 3,000 Singapore dollars, maybe like two and a half thousand US, 3,000 US dollars a month. How would it compare in Myanmar? Yeah. Well, it would certainly it would certainly be less, right? So, so sort of junior talent, like the profile you were describing, would probably be, I want to say, maybe 
maybe maybe seven eight hundred dollars and up. Mm. Um, however, of course, the, the 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 people who sort of who 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 really make a difference and who do really really well quickly become high demand. So mm. so so salaries tend to to increase. Um, for 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 the most uh, the most talented um, the most talented people, um, you, you know, on on, on average, uh, salary levels are still significantly uh, lower than than what they are in Singapore. Mm. Uh, I think they'll probably continue to be so. Professional companies come in, um, and who have a demand to hire talent that that changes, right? But we're, we're still we're still well below what it looks like in Singapore. Yeah, uh, office space as well, probably. Great. Um, to, I don't know. I mean, I heard that the the Myanmar property market was on fire, so maybe not anymore. I don't know. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it's 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 still a bit, it's a, um, a bit higher than, for example, Bangkok, uh, but but certainly certainly lower than Singapore. Well, it's fantastic. I mean, it's it's such an exciting market, and I'm glad that we have the opportunity to speak to you, Jess, and and learn a little bit about. Myanmar and what it means. Also, Myanmar its position on the global stage as well, because we need to start thinking about that more. And I think that's something that's sort of a reality now for people thinking about it, not just sort of Myanmar for Myanmar's sake, but people looking from the outside and also Myanmar startups going global. How does it look sort of, I know you've lived in countries where change has been such a facet of life there like afghanistan and india and so on in myanmar looking forward you've made some bold predictions i don't know if it's yourself or other the people in pandia you, you you've mentioned this as a you know one of the leading markets in southeast asia a great test market what are, what kind of where our appetites what should we be excited about in coming years with myanmar what should we look forward to well i think increasingly um it, Whoever is focused on Southeast Asia as a whole, if you're if you're corporate or if you're a fast-growing startup or whatnot, if you're focusing on, on Southeast Asia, you can't overlook Myanmar anymore. That might have been the case you know, five years ago, where you said, "Ah, there's not enough going on in Myanmar to justify going in there." Um, I, I don't think that's the case anymore. So certainly, anybody who is, has a broad Southeast Asia focus, um, we, we need to take a serious look at what to do in Myanmar. Mm. Um, and um, and and so I think we're going to see a lot more. Um, we're going to see a lot more international companies moving in. I think we're going to see a lot more investors who are used to investing in tech around the region um, looking increasingly at Myanmar and start making some making some investments here. Um, so those are two 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 things that I'm I, I I'm, I'm sure we'll see increase. And of course we're we're we're, we're you know we're working very hard to expand the startup ecosystem here, as are many others in Yangon. And to ensure that there is a, a, a healthy flow of new, um, highly promising tech startups launching in the country. Awesome. It sounds exciting. So for some of the listeners who may be interested in Myanmar, maybe it's their first, you know, first look at the market or maybe they're a little bit more further down the road, but interested in dipping their toe or learning a bit more about you know, the Myanmar market, what do they do? What do you suggest? I mean, do I just sort of turn up in Yangon with a backpack and one-way ticket and think, right, okay, let's learn a little bit about it, or are there a bit more structured ways that I can kind of get into the tech ecosystem there? Well, the the, the, the first piece of advice I'd give anybody who's interested in, in, in Myanmar, other than other than going here, of course, is to, to come to Pandyar, come and visit us, and uh, go to some of our events, uh, 
come and talk to me or some of our colleagues. Uh, you know, we have a we're, we're about 40 people at Pandiar uh, doing a ton of uh, tons of, of, of amazing things. Uh, so come and talk to us and come to some of our events. And, you know, we're happy to support anybody who is doing interesting stuff in technology in Myanmar. And so um, that is a really good way to, to sort of uh, start to get integrated with the with the with the tech ecosystem here. And as I was saying before, generally all over um, all over Yangon and all over the country, really, uh, People are, are are super in otherness and the tech ecosystem. So I think people who come here will find that um, that is actually a very very pleasant place to um, to network and uh, to be part of part of this community. Fantastic! That's Jess Kaliva Pedersen, everybody, the CEO of Pandia, based out of Yangon in Myanmar. And Jess, it'd be awesome. Keep us updated on your batches and your cohorts and your graduates from the Innovation Lab and from Pandiar as well. And, you know, keep us updated on what's going on, as well as the latest from Doers Myanmar, because that sounds like an exciting program that you're building there. And anything we can do as well to help you support and build that ecosystem, we'd love to get involved. We'll put all Definitely, the details. Graham. Well, thanks so much. Thanks yeah. for having me on the show today. Thank you for sharing your insights. And, you know, I'm sure you're going to be back. I'd love to have you back and have some updates on what's going on because i think six months in myanmar time is probably several years in other countries time so we'll be overdue if we catch up again in six months that's jess kaliba pedersen everybody from pandya thanks a lot jess thank you you've been listening to asia tech podcast find out more at atp.show